0: Hello and welcome along to episode number 52 of Wilson and Windsor's Libertadores podcast, a podcast in English exclusively dedicated to the greatest competition in South American club football, the Copa Libertadores. Myself, David Windsor and Mr. Oliver Wilson, this week we reflected back on the final. Palmeiras are the 2021 libertadores champions again back-to-back titles we talked about the game ollie gave us a great breakdown we talked about Davison's dive we talked about renato gaucho leaving the club we zoomed out we talked about the the future of the libertadores and 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 everything in between uh yeah and it was um yeah it was it was a good good pod wilson it was it was a nice little chat
1: nice curtain closer for the uh for the season of libertadores action and uh so much so as the excitement for next year's competition that David Windsor is already picking his preferred winner and you know describing the moment of next year's victorious Flamengo side towards the end of the podcast which I think is quite punchy <laughs> although if i can get 8 to 1 for Palmeiras right now to do the triple i'm putting that money Could back
0: up you, you can get 8 to 1 on have you looked that
1: up i haven't looked that up yet no
0: <laughs> you, i was going to say cuz if 8 to 1 Ollie, and i'm and i'm putting big odds on i've just realized that we um uh, where can we sandwich in my predictions from now? We're talking about predictions, so I try and sandwich it in the intro. Yeah, yeah, because sure. I did have a couple of predictions. Yeah, cool. Because I did have a couple of predictions about how this tournament was going to go, and Ollie also had like a, a good prediction. Oli, you did also back Palmares, I should say, way back when. But for whatever reason, we can't find the clip, which is probably like the worst, <laughs> the worst uh, things to say in a pod. But I, I, you have my, you have my word that Ollie right at the start of the tournament, uh, said
1: Palmares were going to win it. <laughs> Okay, here's one for you: Velez or Barcelona will be the only non-Brazilian side in the semi-finals.
0: What odds did you get on Palmeiras when you put money on? Could you remember what it was? We definitely talked about it in maybe not the last pod, but the one before that. But I'm just because I'm just looking at it now, Ali, and I still think if someone from Bet365 is listening, you've got this wrong. This isn't like a subjective thing. You've just got this wrong. Your odds, like, so they've got they've got Flamengo at three to one, River at five to one, and Palmeiras at six to one. In no yeah, logical world, a, a river a better bet to win the Libertadores than Palmeiras. I think if you put a grand on Flamengo and a grand on Palmeiras, you would not be losing money. Come, uh, come, the final in November. Ollie,
1: we've done fifty-two pods. Two more podcasts, then you know, Libertadores wins for Renato Gaúcho. And even if he'd won yeah. this weekend, he wouldn't have been able to catch up. That's how good we are.
0: <laughs> I was just going to say 52 and out or 52 and not out. I don't know. Are we raising our bat to the pavilion?
1: Just over you half know, a we'll... century. Yeah, <laughs> pretty strong. We'll now nah, You never say never, we'll though,
0: do you? No, no, of course not. We'll, um, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see We'll see what happens with that one. This, the intro to this podcast has become a little bit indulgent, as me and I just chat amongst ourselves. But yeah, I thought it was a good pod. Early. Listen, another Libertador season down. Brazilian dominance. I do worry about that in the in the years to come. What's going to happen? Uh, but it, it was a good final. It had a bit of drama. It had a good slice of comedy. Uh, yeah, it was. It was certainly better than last year's final.
1: Certainly, a spectacle. Certainly, for the enjoyment level of the neutral, it was a far more entertaining final to watch. Yeah, two Brazilian sides, but we got the best two Brazilian sides. We can be sure of that, and we're so convinced of that that we're both picking either one of these teams to win it next year so yeah i guess i guess we are getting a little self-indulgent but it's a two-man podcast about south american football it's pretty niche it's pretty self-indulgent that we sit here and talk about it for about an hour every uh every match week so why why not ride that wave until the very end mate i just want to hear your predictions again that's all i'm interested in now
0: <laughs> well it's a two-man podcast and there's only two sides that can win it next year well actually there's three there's three sides that can win it and it's the the three brazilian sides that's it we should just no call this podcast
1: on. the libertadores green and red podcast i'll back Palmeiras every year but you back Flamengo. that's where it's going to happen in, for the next in,
0: year. in brackets atletico manera might do it all right as well <laughs> um all right okay ladies and gentlemen
1: enjoy the pod pulling it back to the edge of the box oh that is an absolute scorcher matthias enrique has never scored in continental competitions. He has now. pulls the trigger and delivers!
0: On Nacional. Libertadores debut. They lead
1: against Sao Paulo. A wrestling club look like they're going to be the only Argentinian side to win in week one of the Copa Libertadores group stage. How about we start?
0: I know you watch the game live, not easy to do when you work in, work in football and the game's on you know, Saturday evening European time, but you managed to squeeze it in, you watched it live. Uh, for someone that hasn't seen the game, Ollie, what give us your breakdown of how it all panned out.
1: Well, you know, when our preview podcast, we were saying this is the only way that we're going to get a bit more of an open game. And this is the only way that Palmeiras are probably going to be able to win this game. Go back and listen to that that's exactly what happened basically. Palmeiras <laughs> struck early as we said that they might need to do if they were to kind of grind out this and and perhaps catch Flamengo off guard. So they strike early and then after that it's the the closest i could describe it is like an old Barca Atletico Madrid game where Palmeiras would just smother the heart and center of the field and Flamengo struggled to create real clear-cut chances. There weren't a whole lot of chances throughout the 90 minutes and of course the game going into extra time as well. But what Palmeiras did was they worked really hard to smother and stifle to limit the creativity of a uh, perhaps not fully fit their uh, SKAter of 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 Goal as well. Opportunities came few and far between for Flamengo and that frustrated them. And then they always looked a little susceptible. As we've mentioned in the past with this Flamengo side with the holding midfield, um, with Gerson's departure earlier in the year when he went to Marseille and not really replacing that and with obviously the, the defensive line that isn't as strong as it was maybe uh, two years ago when they won it. And, and Palmeiras were able to keep Flamengo on their toes in that sense without really, as I say, creating too many opportunities. Ronnie worked his socks off throughout the evening and then Flamengo do get the goal. They probably deserve to get an equaliser because of the way they pressed and persisted. And it was interesting, actually, that the goal comes from, obviously, from Gabby goal, but it's the first real time that Dereskayeta and he were able to link up properly in the game. It's a great finish as well from Gabriel Barbosa after 72 minutes to level the scores. And then from that point, you're a bit like, this has just got extra time written all over it, hasn't it? And somebody said to me, there was no way that game was going to go to penalties. I don't necessarily believe that at all. But what we did have was just a moment of pure farcical madness that sums up South American football with, uh, with Andreas Pereira's slip that allows the substitute Davison in behind for Palmeiras who thumps it past Alves and, and that was it. And yeah, uh, Palmeiras played the game that you expected them to play, that they have played, that they profited off last year with great counter-attacking football. And they executed a game plan. Abel Ferreira came in with a, a perfect plan to take on this Flamengo side. And he did what nobody else has really done. And he just completely stifled them with their attack. It was but it's great. Uh, Andreas Pereira.
0: I mean, I honestly think you will need therapy after a moment like that. Like, seriously. <laughs> no, seriously. It's like, it's such a huge platform. And... Ultimately, Oli, you've made some really salient points and it's a great breakdown of the game. But ultimately, that final only ever, actually, it won't only ever be remembered for the goal because there's another moment it will be remembered for as well, which we can talk about in just a moment. Um, But but that error from Andres Pereira, I mean, I just, I don't know whether, how it's possible to switch off in, in such a crucial moment. I guess the concentration levels are so high coming into the game and obviously in the game, but he's just switched off mentally and that is reflected by a lack of balance and control physically and yeah i i I don't know how as a footballer you get over such a big mistake in a big game it's happened to other players in the past and all different kind of finals so you know and it'll happen and again that's football it is only sports not life and death but i i think as a human as a young he's not actually that young but as a as a man and and as a footballer that is a really really Hard thing to overcome in life. And I don't think I'm being hyperbolic
1: there. I would agree with you in that sense. I also But he
0: so much money, he probably doesn't care. He's fuck no, like it's a big is
1: I think as it's... well though. Do you not think this maybe sums up a little bit the Flamengo losing themselves with themselves? Like Andreas Pereira let down for obviously the second goal. David Luis let down for the first goal, playing on side out of position, something that we have lobbied at David Luiz throughout his footballing career, that he's not actually great positionally as a defensive centre-back, better perhaps in the holding midfield. Flamengo have gone out and bought supposedly impressive European stars. Felipe Luiz, that left-back position, gets beaten in the build-up to that goal as well, has too much space in behind them. And it's actually the some of the, some of the stars from the European game that they've brought back to Brazil that have let them down in the biggest moments in this Comibole, Comibole? Copa Libertadores final. And and that's kind of interesting to me in that it's a side that's already starting to get, it sees itself as trying to compete perhaps with European football with, okay, we'll get the star names. We are Flamengo. We're the biggest side in, in South America. We probably play the best football. We're, we're very attractive to watch. Everybody recognizes that. But you can't, You've got to have an evolution as opposed to a revolution to to build up uh, the grandiose nature of a club on a global scale. I think, and and it's it now is a team in that back line in the centre of part of the midfield that lacks so much chemistry compared to what we've seen previously, and and that's as I say something that we've spoken about at great length on this podcast throughout this year's tournament, and it's something that has yeah it's it's been their pitfall. So look. You can talk about Pereira and, and that mistake. And yeah, he's definitely going to be suffering from it. But it's, what, 16 games into his Flamengo career? Do you
0: think that Flamengo's... It, it, do you think that the balance in their squad then has tipped too far in favour of, oh, he played in Europe. He's a name-ish. Mm. Let's get him in. So... Whereas in reality, you know, the, the big strength of this Flamengo side, and it's been the case over the last three years, is the Gabi goal, the Bruno Henrique. Yes, they had spells in Europe, but nobody knew of them in Europe. They hadn't done anything in Europe. They didn't have a name. And it's really in uh, Flamengo that they forged their career and been successful. You know, talk to a, a fan of European football about Darius Gayet or Everton Hiberta or Bruno Henrique or Gabi Gold. No one knows who they are, right? So, so, but by getting in a David Luiz, always... It always felt like a name, Andres Pereira, more like that. So yeah, I mean, maybe there's an element of they've they've gone too far that way. Um, Renato Gaúcho, bit of a segue this, but not really. I mean, Renato Gaúcho, as of recording today on the evening of Monday, the 29th of November, he was sacked, or let's say parted ways. But I don't, I'm certain it wasn't his call. Cool. Parted ways with the club. Um, to be fair, Ollie, you called it. In a preview pod, you said, like, if he loses, is he going to get sacked? And I was like, no, no, no. What are you talking about? No one better on the continent. Uh, but you said it was on the cards, and, and it was. I mean, it feels
1: very harsh. It's definitely no. harsh. Yeah. But did Flamengo bring him in to bring in the Libertadores? That was the goal. That was the aim. If you can't do that, you're worthless to us. <gasps> I mean, it is. We, we yeah, hear... Yeah. We hear so, so many times, you know, once a team is focused on the Libertadores, that's all that it is. Whether it's in Argentina, whether it's in Brazil, wherever on this continent, if a team wants the Libertadores and thinks they can get their hands on it, that's the focus. That's the aim. That's what Palmeiras had. That's what Christian Bankston said in our preview pod. You know, he, he felt he could name that squad already because that is the squad that was rested going into the final. Because it was all about the Libertadores. Yeah, the league's fine, whatever. If, you're in, if you win the Libertadores, you're back in anyway. League position doesn't matter. But you're back in as the reigning champions. So Renato Caucho, look, incredible success. But we know, at Gremio, but we know that in Brazilian football and in South American football, there are times when these guys don't last more than you know, a few weeks. You, I mean, we know this from Italy as well. Managerial positions are wild in the modern day football. It is to the point of being completely ridiculous that a manager can be, you know, sacked four games into a league season, for instance, if things aren't going well enough, especially if they're a new boss. And Renato Gaucho was brought in to provide this trophy. He didn't provide the trophy. And if it's a amicable parting of ways, I'm sure he's going to get a very nice little pay packet as he's walking out the door. And he'll be able to walk into any job that he wants to on the South American continent. But Flamengo is going to say, look, you didn't do it. This is what we wanted you to do. Now we'll go and find somebody else that can. We'll go and get <laughs> another Portuguese manager in because they're very good at winning this tournament at the moment.
0: Uh, yeah, but, or maybe they'll get, um, you know, manager from from Buenos Aires. You know, we'll we'll see. Just on Gaucho, if we talk about Gachado, like yeah, but I mean they're going to finish second in the league. They they've lost the Libertadores final essentially due to an error, an individual error in in extra time. I don't know. For me, like, and I, I'm. Yeah, I don't have much sympathy with managers and when people say, give him more time, give him more time, I don't always necessarily think that should be the case. But in this instance, I mean, his record stands up. He seemed to me to be like a great personality fit with Flamengo. Okay, he hasn't won anything with him this year, but he's only been there two seconds. I don't know, for me, like if you gave Renato Gaúcho another year, like he's lifting a trophy. I would wonder
1: if if Gachado wasn't available, maybe this Mm -hmm. might not be happening.
0: I wonder if a Telegram message has been sent yeah not a whatsapp message a telegram message you know voice note, privacy voice on note. That app. maybe a voice note yeah because it's uh you know you can't see it on a screen so you can't screenshot it yeah Of a little voice note just saying you know monday morning is just saying can we talk someone someone high up at Flamengo has access to someone inside goshado's camp right and i just wonder whether a message has been sent like are you open to talk and if Goshado's said maybe let's chat, then uh, then maybe that that was the decision made very quickly. But, whoa, it would be an interesting one.
1: I mean, would Gashada have a leg to stand on? Because both he and Renato Gaucho have lost Libertadores' finals by bottling it late on. So <laughs> that's just more easy prey for Palmeiras to pick <laughs> off when they go for the unprecedented Abel Ferreira treble next year. The three on the spin. Would you actually... Atch- Look, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here, but... Are we, though, Ollie? I mean, I don't necessarily think we are. Like,
0: I mean, how many sides can win it next year, mate? Four or five, if that? Like the three big, you know, the, the top three in Brazil at the moment. And then you always say Boca and River just out of instinct. But the reality is neither have a good squad and neither have a good will have a good squad. And when things roll around in, you know, these groups, they just start end of March, 2022. So I mean, six months. is you know,
1: Right now at this point in the Brazilian league, Atlético Mineiro, I think are probably the biggest threat to either Flamengo or Palmeiras, without a doubt. Yes. Corinthians were atrocious in the Copa Sudamericana this year. Obviously, things can change very quickly in South American football. We'll have to see what happens with them. They're a big side in their own right. They can certainly attract players as well if they want to beef up a squad for next year's tournament. Arby Bragantino? I mean, they were playing in their first ever Copa Sudamericana this year. Are they Are they going to be a side that turn up and, and compete in a Libertadores in that way as well? I don't know. That is a man. That isn't
0: that is a hipster man who knows his Sudamericana <laughs> action tipping them for the
1: Libertadores next year. Uh I mean, yeah. Look, those <sighs> those those are the top five in in the Brazilian League at the moment, right? That three of them are really contenders, as we say. Mineiro, Flamengo, Palmeiras. The other two big question marks over whether they'd be able to compete all the way through a knockout stage of a Copa Libertadores. And as you say, in Argentina, River, Boca, I I, I don't so think they can compete with any of the big sides in Brazil over two legs.
0: I agree, unless something magical happens. So just, it was just looking through the list of Libertadores finals, Oli, and no Brazilian side has ever won it three times on the spin. But two Argentine sides have, Estudiantes in 68, 69 and 70. And then, of course, the King of Cups, Independiente, won four on the spin in 72 73 74 and 75 um but yeah i mean Palmeiras, Palmeiras would will be right right in the hat to to make it three on the spin which would just be i mean if abel ferreira did that at you know that's you'd be talking about that in 100 years
1: are you it surprised are you surprised i mean abel Ferreira's is already in his uh... Like he's in the history books, as we'll, we'll hear sure. later on from Christian Bankston about his thoughts on a wonderful voice note from him. We are a dis- happy, a very happy Christian Benson. Yeah. <laughs> he said, Are we going to edit in the voice note? He says, You're probably going to edit some of this. We're not editing any of it, Christian. You're <laughs> all War of it is cut. going set, is going in. But um, are you, are you surprised because you were very much in the Flamengo corner for this final? You seem sure. to think that this top, this front four couldn't be stopped. Mm. Are you surprised that they were? If your objective
0: is always we're going to outscore you, and you only score one goal, then like y- you're going to be in trouble. Basically, I- I th- am I surprised? Yes, because I think Flamengo have a better starting eleven and a better squad, and arguably <laughs> up until Saturday night, I would have said they got a better coach at the Libertadores level. Right, just Renato Gaúcho is just more you know more successful than Abel but. <sighs> Listen, I don't particularly like the way Palmeiras play, right? I don't think that's too, that's much of a stretch as as a total neutral. I don't mm. think it's so easy on the eye. I don't think it's going to necessarily attract so many fans who weren't interested in the Libertadores into the Libertadores. Whereas I think Flamengo would. So from a, just a, a a punter's perspective, uh, I think it's a shame that we didn't see Flamengo really really release themselves. Am I surprised? I mean, you know, Palmeiras are the defending champion, so you wouldn't say it's a huge upset. But uh, yeah, I mean, what can you say that that kind of what's the Napoleon quote? Like it's better to be lucky than good. I mean, Palmeiras are good, but they also there's you know there's a little bit of you know to win a couple of Libertadores finals so late in the day. Um, what, what can you say? It's 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 an unbelievable achievement.
1: It's absolutely remarkable. As I, I you I had almost flipped onto the Flamengo side of things. Uh, by the end of our last podcast. Because I was looking at this Palmeiras side and was like, you know what? I still don't know where their best eleven is. I still don't know where the guaranteed goal threat is coming from. I mean, Ronnie was nowhere near back to his best. Gustavo Scarpa's been in and out of the Libertadores over the last 18 months. Dudu as well. You know, he was a staple two years ago and now you weren't sure in half the group games if he was going to feature or not. And then... I, Abel Ferrer just got it to click. <laughs> I, I, you yeah. have to give so much credit to Abel Ferreira Look, the hundred percent. The team has executed the game plan, but the game plan is quite clearly what the manager sent them out to do. And he set them up in a similar fashion last year. It was probably easier on the eye last year, but it wasn't great for a large part of it. You know, they they were good against small sides. We we cling on to that first leg of the of the semi final against River. There were a fair few knockout games where they weren't necessarily that eye-catching last yeah. year which is maybe why Palmeiras was a bit more of a shock last season compared to obviously this year seeing them and what they were able to do with their discipline but so much so well disciplined and you have to be so well disciplined against that that sort of front four of Flamengo That I think that's the thing I'm most impressed by from this final <sighs>
0: We're sort of jumping around topics here, uh, emblematic of um, 52 episodes of (laughs) Wilson and Winter podcast, but I've just written two things down that we can't not talk about. Um, The dive, the the, You know, the... the, the, There's contact.
1: (laughs) There's contact. And if in this modern day era, you know, if there's contact, you have to try and indicate to the official that there has been contact. And many ex-professionals would say you're entitled to go down if there's contact. So so the kind of twitter takeaway
0: and maybe like the is ha 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 right like isn't this ridiculous that's so funny like that's that's the that's the takeaway i don't know like i'm not being contrarian but like is it that funny
1: this is this is the pitana the referee sorry, sorry, yeah, if you, if you don't giving know, a little yeah, slap yeah, to Davison on the yeah pitana the referee who i think has managed uh been in charge of the last two libertadores finals of course being an argentinian ref let's get him in for the all-brazilian clash uh, he gives a pat on the back, lower back, and kind of a little shove just to Davison after he's picked himself up and he's walking away from something. And I think the ref's kind of doing it. Yeah, go on, lad, just on your way. And Davison doesn't really realize it's the referee, I think, that's done it. <laughs> yeah, that. and, he, uh, and he drops down to the deck like a, a sack of potatoes, <laughs> holding the bottom of his spine, giving it the proper OTT. Ah, oh, my God. And the ref, <laughs> the most disgusting thing about it is the referee apologizing. That's yeah. that's. I mean, Player the power. act is disgusting. Obviously, like it. It's funny in that that is as you say. It's the thing that went viral straight after the final. The look at South America, what a joke! And it's not going to help at all if that's the lasting memory from what's been. But also
0: for him, my thought was just like you do. Really, like, of course, he's the man that scored the winning goal in the Libertadores final, and inside, inside the club and South America, they'll think about that. But from a European perspective, mate, the thing that will be remembered more than the goal is that like people will be retweeting that moment more than they'll be retweeting that goal outside of South America. I mean, it is so insane. Like it is so insane. And yes, like it is funny. Of course it is. Um, and I guess you could be like, you know, am I being square, but not funny, funny. I don't know. For me, it's just like, that is just an, it is a abomination of like a representation of anything to do with South American football. But then I found Marcus Rojo with the fire extinguisher funny. So where does that leave my moral my Yeah, moral what does that say about on? you? Because that, that, for me, I thought that was just great entertainment. I thought that was fantastic. Like the bloke picked up a fire extinguisher <laughs> in the midst of a, a melee in the, in the tunnel. And that was kind of the moment where it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Anyway, you have to listen back to previous episodes of the podcast to to fully appreciate that reference. But yeah, I mean, it's a, crazy, it's a crazy moment that will be remembered more than his goal, I would say.
1: As I say, the referee apologising for it is, is the mm. really OTT, because that, that just shows, like, you cuck to these players. You're meant to yeah, be the man yeah. in charge, and you're pandering to this mm. man-child, this 30-year-old man-child who's just had the greatest moment that his <laughs> career will ever have. He hasn't scored in, like, eight months in the Libertadores, basically. Yeah. I think, like, the, very sec- the second week of the group stage. And then he, he, he has his moment. The only person that is really loving that is Pereira. He's like, oh, mm. thank God. My mistake isn't going to be on repeat across the globe. It's going to be this farcical moment instead that's hitting Twitter, social media, all over the place. Thank the Lord at this point. Uh, <laughs> Those the- my
0: two favourite favorite moments of the Libertadores, I think, the fire extinguisher and the, <laughs> the dive from the referee in the whole tournament. Probably sums my up. Favorite
1: sums up the wild west of South America so much, <laughs> yeah, <doesn't> yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But the one, Just... one other thing, uh, if you're talking about like summing things up, is the, and I'm going to use this word, the total bell end, that is Felipe Melo.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: Comes on in a Libertadores final in extra time, late on, like seven minutes to go. As a substitute, and the commentary team are like, "Oh, so experienced. Had his time at Galatasaray, European football. Brought him in to hanker say- things down, was calms that? it who down." Was saying that, yeah,
0: and mate, consider sorry to interrupt you, but just to give some praise to Mr. Wilson, like you WhatsApp because I was on, I was like at work, and you WhatsApp me saying, Melo's on," and then I think your next message was like, uh, "He's gonna like he's gonna get." You didn't say he's going to get booked, but you were like, he's going to get in trouble like straight away. And then three minutes later, or whatever it was, <laughs> 10 minutes later, you were like, he's been booked. And I was like, that must have been the safest bet in the world. Anyone that has watched that man at any stage in his career, and we started following him and commentating on him when he was in Turkey. So sort of way back when, but we saw a lot of him in South America as well. And he's just, he's just a ridiculous man whose main aim when he walks onto a football pitch is to show how macho he is, rather than anything to do with anything else. Like in the beautiful game, it really is. That's it. That like, he just wants to show that he's a hard man. That is it. Um, I'm kind of scared he's going to listen to the pod now, Oli, and come and hunt me down. That's so, fine, sorry, don't worry about it. There's, I dare you, I dare you, Felipe. It, but yeah, he's just ridiculous.
1: If you touch him, he'll hit the deck like Davison, it'll be fine. Don't <laughs> worry. He'll, be, he'll still be one of those guys down rolling around on the floor. It's all good. I mean, yeah, it comes on. You can imagine being Abel Ferreira, being like, All right, Felipe, go on, on you go, calm things down for me, show him leadership. All that good stuff. And it's like bringing Wacko on from Mike Bassett. Mm. It's just a walking moron. No <laughs> yeah. no decorum on a football field at all. No. Immediately kicking people around and then mouthing off to the referee about stuff. And he gets booked, I think it was in the end, for mouthing off. I'm just like, it sums you up. Absolutely he doesn't want similar.
0: to play. No, no, he doesn't want to play. Bizarre that he got game time.
1: Farcical.
0: Uh Yeah. All right, well, that was a... Uh... Very solid character assassination. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but I stand by every word, by the way.
1: I am gonna I am uh, gonna I'm gonna call somebody out and name them because this, oh, like this irritated the living hell out of me. Someone just needs to tell Nigel Rio Coca that they're not called Flamingo. It needs to be done.
0: Are you keeping this in?
1: Yeah, this Wait, this needs yeah. to be done because I'm not having I'm ne- I will never have a go at another like commentator or anything like that in public uh, like a league commentator or anything you know people make mistakes mm. and all that but for a final for 120 minutes and the team name you mistake with a pink bird <laughs> <laughs> because we've had in these finals and throughout Libertadores coverage I've heard from numerous different voices Flamenco, flamingo mm-hmm. and flamenco. One of them's a football team, one of them's <laughs> a bird and one of them is a style of dancing. And it's about time we at least got that right. And I I will not knock Nigel for any of the other insight that he's given or anything like that because he does bring up some salient points during broadcasts when I've listened to him on the uh, on the Libertadores but flamingo, we mm. need to sort that one out. We definitely need to sort that one out.
0: You could, I think, you could make a case to say that flamingo is incorrect when describing, yeah, the biggest, the biggest football club in South America. Uh, <laughs> you go, who go almost exclusively by the name of Flamingo.
1: Although now they've lost Renato Gaúcho, they are almost like a bird on one leg. Oh, maybe he knew. Maybe Nigel knew. <laughs> saw the writing on the wall. Was like, nah, this side, they're not steady. They've lost. They've lost that rock at the back, that second <laughs> leg. That you know, you've got your your leading leg, that front four that creates everything. But they've lost that second leg behind them. They, they're very precarious, unsteady. They look balanced, but you could push them over. That would have been
0: a great way to save it if a producer had said in ear right on the last minute. By the way, you've been calling them flamingo the whole game, and he, <laughs> he came up with that. <laughs> he Came up with that. That would have been superb. Um, uh, I've just got. We didn't quite tie up the loose end with Marcelo Gallardo. To Flamengo, I texted you earlier, Oli, and said, uh, you know, a few rumours. I think Pete was tweeting it out, and you said, shame to me. Why? Why do you think it would be a shame?
1: I think it'd what's be a shame
0: sh- about him going from, you know, what's the shame about him going to 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 a club the size of Flamengo with that squad?
1: There's absolutely no shame for him to go, and I would completely understand why you would want to go. I don't know. With River, it felt like that that was his baby some of his players that he brought through some of the players that he cultivated that can only happen over a period of time whereas this flamengo side you're walking into what is basically a half done job with that squad i'm no doubt that marcelo Gashada would be able to reorganize and discipline a back line and 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 find much more solidarity in the heart of the pitch but there's also a shame in that if he takes that job and does well there is nowhere else to go in south america but he could end up being stuck in South American football after that. And I want to see Gachado get a chance to come across to Europe at some club. And look, there might not be the jobs available at the moment, but I would like to see him get that opportunity. And I would fear that if he went to Flamengo, he could either fail and tarnish the reputation of not being able to do it with the biggest side in South America. Um, I don't think it would necessarily destroy his reputation the same way that Renato Gaucho isn't going to have his reputation destroyed by what's happened. But it would just be a blot. On a blip, sorry, on the um, on the resume, so to speak. It's like if you if you went for a you know office job Windsor and you did it for six months and then left, people would look at the CV and be like, oh, what happened there then? Oh, well, you know, it just just didn't work out. No one's buying that. No one's <laughs> just buying just lying. Put it on two years. So uh, yeah. so yeah, and and I think I think the time is now. Now he's at River. Let's not have him taking on River in the Libertadores as well. Let's not have that yet. Too close. Let's have a have a failed spell in Europe with Leon.
0: <laughs> yeah. Take the natural path, Marcelo. Like you know that's what you should do. Okay, here's the case for the defense, then, Oli. All right. And you make some persuasive arguments. The case for the defense of Goshado potentially going to Flamengo would be that. His stock has fallen a little bit. I know he's just won the league. I know he's got an amazing CV. No bigger Gachado fan than, than myself, of course. But his stock has fallen a little bit, I think, with the way in which they lost the, the 2019 final. And then, you know, the, the, the pandemic kind of slowed down a little bit of momentum. So Marcelo Gachado has certainly dropped off the radar, I would say, of your Barcelona's, who he was being linked to in, in 2019, right? So he would then have to come to Europe and, as you say, go a little bit like down the pecking order and go mid-range. And probably he's going to go mid-range. You know, he played in France. We've talked about that. So he speaks French. So maybe he could go to a mid-range Ligue 1 club or maybe, um, you know, obviously speaking Spanish, that that would be a natural fit in La Liga. I would say more than the Premier League or the Bundesliga or somewhere like that. So so that would be the option to him. I guess what he must be thinking at mid-40s or early 40s, mid-40s? He must be thinking that if he could go to Flamengo, there is, if he had some kind of promise, Oli, that the squad that is currently there at Flamengo could be retained, or at least 90% retained, and of course I'm talking about Gabi, Golan, Bruno Enrique in the front four specifically, but if he could have a guarantee that they could retain that squad under, let's say, a two or three-year contract where he had more stability than is usually afforded to Brazilian coaches at Brazilian clubs... Or Portuguese coaches at Brazilian clubs, you could even say. If he was given that stability, then, uh, then I think he could take it, win a Libertadores, get right back to the top of the pecking order, and then try and take on a top six club in, you know, in England, Spain, or, or France. But at the moment, I just don't see a big European club taking him. Um, the, th- the strange thing is, Ollie, he's the same man and he's the same manager that he was in. 2019 than he is now in late 2021 right i'm just mm. saying from a superficial level and clearly it shouldn't be decided like this but it, it is on a superficial level he's not quite he doesn't quite have the same
1: stature it's about abel ferrera now you know yeah well abel Ferreira so, may end up using this like george jesus did he to probably should yeah. leapfrog back yeah it's three two, twice is near impossible three times is, this but if he did it and isn't, yeah, that, is, isn't that always, you want that in the head? I mean, that is a Gashado mentality of, no, I can get us there. I mean, I'm still thinking that's why he did see out that contract at River. Because there is that part of him, of Gashado that is like, well, we got there in 2019 mm-hmm. and we should have been there. And in he wanted 2020.
0: to win the league as well. He wanted to win the league as well. True,
1: true. But but still, I, I think, yeah, he's he's the kind of manager that does have that. No, I can still do this. I, I've got enough bare bones here that I can still play the style of football that I want to and have have the discipline and bring players through. Yeah, I it would be no bad thing. It would definitely be no bad thing. I think for Flamengo, they need to sort out the identity and Gachado would be great at coming in and doing that. Again, mm. let's talk about these European players that have come across. Kennedy as well, on loan from Chelsea, came on in this and, and was... Hopeless, provided very little. Whereas uh, Michel, the mid-20-year-old who's kind of been at the club for a few years, came off the bench and was a great little catalyst cultivating, creating opportunities. Uh, It seems to me, I don't know, you know how we European football fans in general, I mean, don't look at South American football very much, if at all. And and even a Libertadores, you know, we only had the final on BBC TV, and that was only decided two days after our podcast recording last week, and two days before the final. I mean, they left it very late to kind of work out who's going to broadcast it because we don't care. Do you think the players, even though you know many of them are Brazilian coming back from European football, do you think they're not that fussed as much about winning a couple of Libertadores compared to the likes of a michel the or, you know, Gabi Balbosa, who is now, you know, fully ingrained. Like, I can't imagine Europe is necessarily on his mind. He seems to bleed black and red. Everton, um, Everton Ibero as well, players like that. I, I just feel that the guys that have come into Flamengo in the last two years, maybe, because the majority of the time has been in European football, maybe that's another thing that just prevents them from having that same, like, all or nothing desire. Which is
0: def- it's, definitely f- it's definitely a fair chain of thought. Mm. I just think that when you're at these clubs and you're in that dressing room and you're part of the competition, I think just by osmosis, you get so caught up in it that I don't see how you could be going into like a Libertadores final with 1% less desire because most of your career was spent in Europe. I just think it will be so obvious to these European players how much this competition means to to everyone in South America. But but I do I do take that on board and it's certainly it's certainly worth exploring, but uh I, I can't see it, no.
1: I mean, like, that's the first game in the Libertadores that Kennedy has played coming off the bench mm. this year. You know, because of the way that the transfer market in Europe is obviously isn't scheduled to favor you know, the Libertadores, particularly with the gap that we've had, obviously between semi-finals and final and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, and it's difficult. You can't have a go at a player's mentality either when you don't know. And that's the thing. I, Not think, sure. I think we're learning more and more in modern day football that you never know. Yeah. You don't know what's going on in a lot of these players heads and what's going on outside the game as well or anything like that. But mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, it's just a thought. It's just. Yeah. I
0: think it's, it's, it's valuable. I mean, as for Gabi Gold, I think he's gonna. I think he wants to try and become the leading scorer all time in the Libertadores. I think that's probably his. Uh, yeah, he's probably got an eye on that. Um, you know, if someone doesn't come in for him, come in for him now, then from in Europe, then I don't think they do. You know, uh, I was also going to say that, of course, next year because of the World Cup, the final will be a little bit earlier, Ollie, so that we won't have that horrible long break between the semis and the final at the very least. Um, I
1: wanted to ask you this was the last kind of nugget i had to kind of ponder and more of a, a slightly looking at the tournament on a on a grander scale a little bit but if that final is a week after the semi-finals does it go differently again a big if but if
0: that final was over two legs does it go differently you know it, you just need to go on twitter and see the likes of you know i don't need to name check them but all the lads that have been on that continent for 10 years and watched the final really really get the competition and they all pretty much say the same thing it was way better as a two-legged final like that's how they all saw it that's how historically it was uh, and it was just a, apparently I, I can only take their word for it it was a much better much better occasion having it as a two-legged final but that's that's the game it moves on it's a one-off show piece now uh, tracks a different kind of audience uh, had it been played after the semi-finals, yeah, probably. Um, but then you know, if Andres Pereira doesn't mess up, or if this happens or if that <laughs> happens, yeah. you know, well, what can you say? It's uh, lots of hypotheticals. Should we, uh, unless there's anything else you wanted to, to to deep dive into, Ollie? I was gonna give the final thought in the pod to, um, to Christian the Palmeiras fan. He's been very accommodating with his with his contribution to the podcast. I mean, why, why wouldn't you be when you won it in the last two <laughs> years? You know, we're not asking Yeah, I'll talk much. about the
1: Libertadores. Just... Yeah, I'll have a chat. <laughs> don't worry, it's great. This tournament is brilliant, isn't it? You just keep winning.
0: <laughs> I didn't pester Pedro. I had my, I had my. I was I opened the WhatsApp message and I was like, do I get some thoughts from Pedro? And I was like, no, you don't. You know, as a fan, you just don't want to hear it. Yeah, you go. I, I
1: have got something from Pedro. Uh it's oh, not do a vo- you? it's not a voice note. I uh right. but I, all I did was I sent him I sent him a voice note at full time. Didn't ask for anything, but I just said mate, like the manner of that defeat. I, and I sent this pretty much 5 minutes after full time whistle, which I thought maybe a bit too harsh if he's really like feeling it or whatever, but also like it was very much commiserations. Losing a final in that way is not not great. And all I got back 3 minutes later was two simple messages, heartbroken man. And then that mistake was just insane. I think that's all Flamengo fans are going to be feeling at this point, isn't it? It's a r- the mistake, man.
0: I, as I say, like I, I don't. I, I, that is a hard one to psychologically recover from. It's so bad. What's so bad about it for me, right? Is that <laughs> he makes the mistake, but he's he's so off balance, only that he can't even commit the foul. Because you normally think like if a player makes that mistake, he tries to sort of, he tries to make the foul, but he, he can't. It, it's just, it, it's so bad. He's just, he's lost his bearing slightly. He's lost his balance. He's lost concentration of his foot on the ball. It's horrible. It's horrible to watch.
1: Well, this is this is a thing I will give Nigel Rio Coca some, some love for to balance the scales here. Because he did make a very good point about a defensive midfielder in that position coming back to collect a ball deep. You're facing the wrong way which mm. is a position you're not really used to being in anyway. And you're looking back and there's only really one option to go. And as soon as you're under a little bit of pressure, you're not potentially sure whether you want to turn and try and get away from it and move upfield or whether you want to take the safety route back or what. And so that could have been one of the problems if that was a centre-back there playing out from the back and pushing forward rather than a holding midfielder coming back the other way to receive that ball. It's a very different position that you find yourself in with back to goal or facing goal. And that's... that's. Where part of the mistake comes in. Andres Escobar probably died for less after World Cup ninety four, (laughs) mate. Died for less.
0: Yeah. I mean that was a that was that own goal was was more random in its in its you know what actually happened.
1: This was somebody just this was yeah. Ballooning about in the midfield.
0: Wow. What a fragile sport. An entire career. An entire career, you know, it's crazy. It's a cruel game, man. Like, that's the only thing I'll ever remember him for, right? And that's the only thing so many people like. An entire career that started when he started kicking a ball around in the park. And we're let. unless, unless, Oli, he stays at Flamengo and wins the Libertadores in the next year or two. Then I do think, I'm not saying it gets forgotten because it doesn't. But if he's on the pitch when Flamengo win a Libertadores in the next couple of years, I do think that goes a long way to exercising some demons. You know, he's only on loan though, man, isn't
1: he? Yeah, but... <laughs> so, I mean, United probably aren't Depends watching that Gishardo and going, and let's get him back. <laughs> 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 we need that. Definitely need that in our squad here at Manu.
0: Marcelo Gachado and Andreas Pereira celebrating... In front of the Flamengo fans in Guayaquil, Ecuador, where I believe the final is taking place in 2022. Yeah, Correct me if I'm wrong. Think so. Um, yeah, celebrating with the Flamengo fans. Uh, yeah, in late October, or early November 2022. That's uh, that's my prediction for, for, <laughs> for next year. Right, let's leave the let's leave the pod final thoughts with um, with the winner, Palmeiras. The 2021 Libertadores champions are oh, a resident Palmeiras fan, Christian Benson. Uh, take it away, my friend.
2: Mr. Wilson, that was amazing. What a, what a sensational feeling that was. and I had uh, I had Vasco supporters at home watching the game with me and crying with, 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 with relief and with joy uh, as that two- uh, one victory was sealed as the final whistle was blown, and that was that was beautiful. And before the game, I told all my friends, especially my Flamenguista friends. OK, whatever happens, at least we want a fair game. We want a game without VAR. We want the game without any controversies uh, with the arbitration. And, and we got that. It was a it was a clean fight. Very good play, actually, in comparison to other finals we've seen lately. Uh, I think it was a good game to watch uh, and, and uh, well, of course, I'm, I'm thrilled by the outcome, the back to back Libertadores Cup titles not happening since uh, Boca did that 20 years ago and it really puts uh, Abel Ferreira in a different spot a different position among all the coaches that have uh, led Palmeiras I mean basically uh, within 12 months time bagging the Libertadores title twice and uh, beating Atlético Mineiro and Flamengo uh, doing uh, doing doing that that's just um, tremendously what a tremendous effort so thrilled happy A bit too drunk, but uh, that's life. And uh, I'm entitled to it. So, um, three campeon, Libertadores is ours once again. And uh, what a thrill, what a thrill. What a perfect end to a year that had carried great expectations, but didn't really, really uh, come through. But in the end, we sealed the fate of one of the most important years again in Palmeiras history. And again, thanks to this Portuguese manager who is really able to, to read the game game by game and, and tweaking the team so it will perform when it really needs to perform and against that specific opponent. And we did it again. We didn't allow Palmeiras, uh, Flamengo to play. And um, of course, we got a bit lucky there with Davison stealing that ball and making it 2-1. But again, that's it. Football is in the details. Wonderful. I'm in heaven, seventh heaven, seventh Palmeiras heaven. Thank you again for having me on your podcast. I'm not sure how much of this you will use. Uh, Feel free to cut as suitable because, um, well, again, that's life. Cheers, mate!